Welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris, here as always with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast, and if that sounds like something you want to listen to on the regular, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Spotify, whatever it is, and uh, subscribe, rate, review, and if you subscribe, you won't miss an episode when we drop them at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, Facebook.com, slash A to Z Sports, Nashville on social medias. And it is esportsnashville.com for everything that Zach writes. Zach, it's finally here. We've got uh, fall camp. The football has begun. And we're already into fall camp enough where we got pads on. Uh, guys are, are uh, going at each other on the practice field. But the thing that everybody is talking about is not even fall camp. We got drama. Brian Maurer in as uh, conspicuously absent from practice today and today being Wednesday, the 11th of August. Uh, we're going to talk about it all. But Zach, first, what's up? Man, I'm just happy to be seeing football on the timeline, like real highlights, real pads, uh, just real news. It, it's, it's always fun to speculate throughout the summer, but it's even better to to see it happening and, and to see those highlights tweeted out from different news organizations. It's right around the corner and I'm a little more excited this year for football. You know, you're going to have fans in the stands. It's not going to be this weird schedule, this weird COVID. I mean, COVID's still around. It's still impacting different areas, but there's no doubt that the whole season is going to be played. It's a lot different than last year. While it might not be completely normal, it's a lot more normal than it was a year ago, and that's uh, it's got me really fired up for football season. Yeah, I, I've definitely found myself, and if you listened to last week's episode, you certainly know this, I found myself getting exponentially more excited as we get closer to the football season. You know, you, you get that little, that little butterfly in your stomach when you hear on – I for, for me, it was this week. I, was, I don't know what I was – some ESPN radio or something, and they were like – College football is right around the corner on August 26th or whatever it is, you know, like the week before the SEC plays. They always it's like Hawaii versus North Dakota State. And you just go, oh, boy, I'm going to watch the hell out of that. (laughs) And I yeah, I'm excited. It is right around the corner, as I said, August 11th. And I think it does start sometime around basically that last week of August. I'm not sure on the exact dates there, but it is. Very, very soon, and you're into fall camp with Josh Heupel, and we kind of talked last week what we were going to be looking for in fall camp, and I I said initially, obviously the QB battle, we're going to talk about Brian Maurer and the whole thing that's going on there and whatever, everything else in terms of that QB battle, but uh, beyond that, I said that I was going to be looking to see if Heupel presented anything different with his practices. And I would say this is kind of inside baseball with somebody. I, I covered the team for years full time and you did too. Like the amount of media availabilities that Hypel is giving with his players is awesome. 
And I really, really like that. I will say that much. We've gotten some really nice sound, sound bites out of these guys. We're going to talk about a couple a little later in the episode about some things that they said. Um, and then just, just on top of that, I think it's great exposure for those players with the NIL stuff going on. And then I think it, it just gives the fans an opportunity to get to meet the players a lot more, get to meet some of these assistant coaches that like never got to talk under Pruitt. He was the exact opposite. Um, and it's it's been kind of refreshing. And then the actual practice clips and things, I haven't seen anything markedly different, but it's just nice to see practice clips, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to know that uh, media is actually being able to attend practices. And, and, you know, last year it was all via Zoom. They were shut out. That, that's that been nice. As far as the uh, media uh, coverage, kind of the, like you mentioned there with the players, it's been a wide variety of players, uh, some lesser known names. He really is letting guys get out there. Not really sure how they've decided who gets to speak and who doesn't, but it, it has been interesting to see. And then the assistants talking, like you said, rarely got to see that under Jeremy Pruitt. The message from Tennessee was always coming from Pruitt pretty much. And that was one of the things I did like about Butch Jones is he, his assistants spoke, you know, pretty much every week. And you just got to hear a different voice when it came to the program. You, you got to hear the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, whoever that was at the time. And, you know, with Butch, after two years, you, you couldn't stand really to listen to his press conferences. So if you got up there and you got to hear John Jancic or, or even Bob Shoup, I thought did a good job with the media uh, when he was there. It was just a, a different message coming from them a different voice it was fresh it wasn't stagnant and I don't see I know Pruitt's kind of following in the niche Saban footsteps there but I really don't see what the benefit is to not letting your assistants speak to the media uh and, and I will say one thing I noticed this week uh Tennessee's offensive line coach Glenn Alarby uh spoke to the media and I can't remember who the player was, but a reporter asked him about an injury, about a player that uh, that wasn't out there and, uh, you know, what the deal with that was. And he didn't hesitate. You know, he said, hey, we let Josh Heupel, you know, answer those questions. Those are for him. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's something little, but you kind of feel the cohesiveness between the staff. And I think that's really important because that was definitely missing under Pruitt. As long as the message from the top is clear, I, I, I think – Letting letting the assistant speak is a sign that things are going decently well, because it was always controversial at near the end with Butch. If he let the assistant speak, if he let the player speak, you didn't know what they were going to get asked because things weren't going well, and the media could kind of attack. and And especially, you didn't really want to go after the players, but with the coaches, you know, you want to get some answers. And I think right right now. It's it's certainly easier than it might be in the future if things don't go so hot with Heupel. But I, I like that he's putting these guys out there, kind of giving them, as you said, it, that that direction and to to say, oh, well, I'm not going to talk about injuries. That's good direction from Josh Heupel. Let, let him be the CEO and you be the assistant coach. You do you. He's going to do him. And as long as that's the message, everybody understands, everybody understands the assignment and they're going to go out there and execute. I, ooh, it's actually great because we get to hear the voices of some of these assistant coaches. Some of these assistant coaches have been going on social media 
and been been making posts that fans are big big fans of. They go out, you know, to to other sporting events and other things, and they're kind of building their own image around UT too. That's great. I think all of that is great. And and again, especially with with the players, I like like being able to hear their voice, especially if they're guys that are going to be able to play in the NFL. They they need that exposure. The NFL is no holds bar when it comes to the media. They they let the media right up in your face. They're going to ask you questions, and they, they, it's something they need to know how to do. Um, even if even if you don't play in the NFL, I think it's good. It's just good to <laughs> to I guess have questions to answer, if nothing else. Um, and so all of that, I, I'm a fan. Hypel, that's a that's an A plus, but at the same time, that's kind of an easy test to pass at this point because it, nothing's going wrong, nothing's going good. You're just that is. I'll be interested to see how that goes. So we, we know he's gonna want to put people out there. I'll be interested to see how it goes if things get rough this season. Or if well, things I get think, really good this season. I, I think he's got his first big media test uh, tomorrow, Thursday. I believe he speaks to the media. It's either Thursday or Friday. I'm not sure which day this week. I have to look at the schedule. But he's going to speak to the media here at the end of the week. And obviously the quarterback question, is it going to loom large? Um, it appears the battle's been cut down to three, even before this Brian Maurer drama that we're going to get into. The reports were kind of suggesting that it was Joe Milton, Hendon Hooker, and Harrison Bailey were tier one, and then Brian Maurer's reps were dwindling down for multiple days in a row, which I'm sure precipitated some of the stuff we saw from Maurer this week or have seen or have not seen in, in today's case. But it'll be interesting to see how Hypo handles those questions because that's probably going to dominate uh, the media session there. I'll be very interested to see you know what his approach is with that. I would certainly guess it, it seems like he's pretty media savvy. It appears. I I would guess he comes out and the first thing he says is Brian Mauer is no longer with the team or what whatever the status there is. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't. Who knows? Tennessee I, probably doesn't know. Considering yeah. the ups and downs of of Maurer's career so far, it's exactly. But with with a kid who had already gotten supposedly set down to fourth string, the rope's only going to be so long, <laughs> I guess. Well, and I, I I'm saying all of this. We haven't really explained that situation. Let's go ahead and get into it because you're you're touching on it there, and I think you're exactly right. Heupel's going to get asked to high heavens about this tomorrow. Um, Brian Maurer who played some some quarterback last year and was just kind of in in that mix with everybody where we were all sort of wondering, oh, who's going to be the quarterback? Maurer got his chance last year, never showed that he was great, also never showed that he was a total disaster. But he, I don't think that he was ready for a starting position in the SEC last season, I will say that much. But none of those quarterbacks were, <laughs> apparently. Uh, but today, at practice, he's not there. People look into it a a little bit further. He had an Instagram post uh, last night where he, or this morning, I was uh, late last night, Tuesday night. Yep. Uh, According, I'm looking at Goval's 247 here. And this, this is what the Instagram post said. It was just a picture of him in a football uniform of Ryan Maurer in his uniform. And it said, they took my dream after four days. That's okay. Because I'm a soldier. Hashtag 18 out. Gotta assume, I mean, 18 out. They took my dream. You know, he's he's getting demoted. 
18 out. You got to assume that means he at least wants to bounce. As you alluded to there, who really knows what's happening yeah, I mean, there? He's, he, he tweeted something like, uh, I'll bleed orange forever, you know, just a couple of days ago. Um, <sighs> it, and he's, he's, he's put stuff like this on social media before. And we should mention he, he edited that caption on the Instagram post. I don't know, maybe a half hour after he posted it, once it lit up Twitter, which I'm sure is by design. It, he knows if he puts that out there, it's going to get traction. It's going to be all over Twitter, the screenshots. Uh, he's not, this isn't his first time dealing with this. It's not his first time doing something like this. He knew what was going to happen. And then you go back, you edit it, whatever. It's not on your page anymore. I mean, that's just how that goes. Every, everybody knows that, especially a 20 year old kid. So who knows what it truly means for him. Is he leaving? I know Austin Price from VolQuest uh, reported earlier today that, that, uh, People close to the situation in Tennessee believe he is going to transfer. He's not in the portal yet. Could change at any moment, certainly. But he also qualified that statement with nobody really knows what he's going to do for sure. Here, here's my best guess, just extrapolating from the situation and what you see there, what I've seen in the past from players that have done similar things. I would just bet that it is a situation where he just wants that playing time. As, I mean, and as you would, you want to play football, but he wants to play football at the University of Tennessee. It's a big time SEC school. He's staring down the possibility of, I wanted to be a starting quarterback at an SEC school, and I don't think I'm going to be. And that's a tough pill to swallow. It is, especially for a kid that's, you know, your, uh, what is it? Your, your front frontal cortex isn't fully developed yet at that age. I mean, you're just, you're in a vulnerable spot uh, as a younger man. And you're kind of getting punched in the gut. And that can be really tough. And he's just processing that whole thing. I would bet, ultimately, he does transfer away from Tennessee. It's probably That's probably best for him. I don't think he will play at, at Tennessee if I, if I was a betting man. Just from what we've seen, what we've heard, uh, he had gotten pushed down the depth chart. And that's just college football is a meritocracy. Best man plays which is good. I'm glad that Josh Heupel is, is playing the best guy because I definitely felt like at times Pruitt did not do that. Um, and, and Mauer's a, a guy that Heupel recruited too at UCF. I mean, he's a, he's a Florida kid. Uh, Heupel knew Mauer well. So there was some thought going into the season that maybe, or going into spring practice especially, that maybe Mauer's style of play would fit Heupel's offense. Uh, he was kind of a dark horse in this competition, but you know, Heupel's not messing around. I don't think he really cares about perception. He just wants to put the best the best quarterback out there. Now, it's funny. This is kind of a little behind the scenes, I guess. Uh, pull him at the curtain, like you said earlier. Yesterday or last night, whenever Maurer put that on Instagram, you know, I'm always thinking of things to write. I've always got ideas that I'm kicking around. And, and I've been thinking for a while about Maybe they should move Brian Maurer to wide receiver. He's fast. He's elusive. You know, he's faster than Jawan Jennings. We've seen him make plays in the open field. He's 6'3", 205 pounds. He's, he's kind of got the size there. You know, maybe a, he's talented enough 
to be on the field in the SEC. He, he may not be a quarterback, but he's talented enough to make guys miss and to pick up yards with the ball in his hands in the open field. So maybe that's something that Tennessee could explore. I've had that idea in my head for a couple of days, and as soon as I saw that last night, I was like, I better go ahead and write this because this kid <laughs> might not be on the roster by 24 hours from now. And that's how it goes at Tennessee. You never know yep. when things are about to completely just flip upside down and, and everything just change. I mean, I, I'm all for it. If if the kid can fulfill his dream at another position, that's great. But if his dream is to play quarterback at the University of Tennessee, mm. it might have passed him by. Yeah. And and at at best, what I could tell you is if you don't like it, start playing better. I, I don't that's all that's all I can say. It's it's that simple. As I said, college football is a meritocracy and uh <laughs> you know, as as a lot of people like to tell me when I give my opinions on Twitter. Um, yeah, I didn't play college football. That's definitely true. They love to bring that one up. You you don't know anything. You never played college football. That's right. I didn't. Uh, also, I know that the best guy should be playing, and he just might not be it right now. And so that's that's the way that <laughs> it most is. Most of you replying on Twitter did not play college yeah. football. Either, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I digress uh, from, from that point. Um, We'll just have to see how it plays out. That's that's kind of it. And as far as the QB situation in general goes, I think that's kind of breaking down. It seems like into a couple of different camps. You got the the pro Miltons and the pro pro uh, Baileys, and between Harrison Bailey, Joe Milton, Hinton Hooker is just kind of it seems like being forgotten in a lot of that conversation. I said if I'm extrapolating from the spring game alone. I'm not sure that dude has it, but it's a spring game. And I, you know, you got to take that with a grain of salt and just call it for what it is. It's just a weird kind of exhibition that doesn't count for a whole lot. Um, but the, the overriding belief seems to be it's down to those two. Um, and no real indication right now as to where exactly it's going. Uh, but of course, that's that's what everybody really wants to know about right now. Yeah, and, and it'll be a while before we know for sure. I have heard uh, with Hooker that he has been a pretty vocal leader in practice, so maybe that's a sign that maybe he is, yeah, you know, closer to the top than we think. But I, I don't think Heupel is going to give away too much to the media during the open portion of practices. I mean, that's not really where you're going to find out where your starting quarterback is anyway. I'm not sure the order of the reps means a whole lot yet. I don't know. I mean, I, I still kind of think it's going to be Joe Milton. I think he was brought to Tennessee for a reason. Um, I, don't, I definitely don't think it was just for competition and depth. Although now, you know, a few months ago when he, whenever he transferred to Tennessee, Tennessee had five scholarship quarterbacks, and now they're possibly down to three if Brian Maurer chooses to, you know, exit Knoxville. Just shows you how quickly quarterback depth can vanish uh yep i saw lsu went through something similar they had four quarterback four scholarship quarterbacks three man battle well one went to auburn uh and miles brennan has broke his arm you know they're down to max johnson and a true freshman i mean that's supposed to be a, a powerhouse team in the sec and they they have no depth so it can go very quickly so you know, you, you hate to say that Maurer is expendable, 
but he does have SEC experience, a couple of injuries, and all of a sudden you're in a bad spot. It's true. That is absolutely true, and I, I'm sure that they're they're thinking about that. As we mentioned, we'll just have to see exactly how it plays out. But as as far as that whole situation goes, I, I would say the thing that I have been the most encouraged in seeing is the general tenor of the practices and specifically of that QB room. They seem energetic. They seem happy to be there while also appearing as focused as you can appear in a short little clip that, you know, in the little open time that the media gets to see practice, which is not very long. Um, like they just seem like they're having a good time. And I, I say that for the, the team in general. And the, the change there in the, what, what would you call it? The, the, yeah, not the attitude, the, the aura, the tone of, of the team. I think that's encouraging. Obviously I I also want to go where they win football games. If that takes a little bit of not having fun, I'm okay with that too. (laughs) I want, I want them to, to be, practice to be as good as they can be and however that happens that's good but this kind of leads us into the next uh, topic that we were going to bring up and, and you wrote about this specifically on a to z sports nashville.com zach uh, a couple of different uh, articles that you put up you heard from players that specifically going to a jeremy Pruitt practice was a doom and gloom experience i believe one of the players equated it to going to work on a monday morning <laughs> And then with Hypel, the, they said something to the effect of there's no more Mondays around Josh Hypel or something like that. To me, that's good to hear. The, these players need a refresher, man. They were in, they were in the ringer, and they, they need something, a, a change like that. And it seems like Hypel's given it to them. Yeah, I mean, f- football practice is supposed to be challenging. It, it's supposed to to push you to your limits. That's the only way you can get better. That's what practice is for. Pruitt apparently, I don't know. He took things too far. He just, he didn't know how to have fun, which might be shocking to some people. Whoa. But there's a happy medium there that you have to find. And I'm going to assume that Hypel's found it because he's been a successful head coach before. I don't think it's all, because I've seen these comments, especially on Facebook where, you know, just having fun doesn't win football games. You, you can't, you know, it's not just what are they out there just having fun for. But look, if, if if you're a football player, you start playing the game because you enjoy it, because you have fun playing it. You're not going to practice to have a blast, but you're, you're going to practice. You should enjoy it. You should want to go to football practice. You should want to try to get better. That should be your goal. If you're not looking forward to it, you're probably not going to get better. You're probably not going to improve. You're probably not going to get much out of that practice. Your mind's not right. And you know how in all sports, the mental aspect of it is a big part of it. We've seen plenty of talented players fail because they just they weren't in the right headspace. Whatever atmosphere Hypel is building, it's a lot different than whatever Pruitt had going on where linebacker Tyler Barron said this week that players were just trying to make it through practices. I mean, that's, that's brutal. You're just trying to make it through. Dane Davis said that it was agonizing at times playing under Pruitt. 
I, I there's no way a team can be successful if it's agonizing. They don't even want to be there. No wonder so many kids have left the program. I always loved watching uh, basketball practices actually with Grand Admiral back in the those couple of years when they were, you know, those teams with Grand Admiral and Rick Barnes were the best that they were. Those practices, I think, really struck the right chord that you're talking about there between having positivity and also building up the team and getting them better and and being tough. Bar- Barnes puts on a tough practice. They're, they're fast-paced, and he goes after them if they mess up. And they, I mean, I, I remember watching, I, I assume he probably still does this. They, they would run a drill where if you messed up in the drill, you had to go over to the step. I don't even know what you call it, like a step machine and do a certain number of steps. It was like a hundred uh, if you messed up and you had to do that amount of steps within a certain amount of time. And if you didn't meet that certain amount of time, you had to do it again until you did. And that was the punishment for messing up. Then you went back and you had to focus on being good again like it was tough stuff but at the same time you had great student leaders out on the floor in grand admiral who kept a really positive vibe and and tone the whole time and and led by example in that they took barnes's tough coaching and learned and grew rather than got better about it and that's to me that's a beautiful example of just the right striking that that middle ground in between having having a good time and being serious and getting better at the sport that you're playing I I would just was always impressed with those those practices and it was really precipitated in that case by Grant and, and Admiral because you had guys out there showing okay this practice isn't easy but we're getting better guys and like that's the whole point and hopefully those guys are out there for Tennessee because, man, student, if I know anything from my time, specifically in doing uh, radio with Fred White, who's a defensive back for Tennessee's national championship team, did I was the co-host for Jason Swain for years, and then Fred White would do shows with us. Um, and Fred always talked about the, the national championship team had big time student leaders on on that you know the athlete leaders on that team where if you screwed up they were taking you to task not just the coaches <laughs> and the value of that is so huge and i and i think like Jawan Jennings was that guy and that's why probably in his final year Tennessee won eight games Jawan dragged them there he was like the guy that was like that on that team there's maybe a few others but he was the primary one you gotta have dudes like that dogs but also leaders that are gonna take you to the next level and and hold each other accountable and to me i don't care if they're having all the fun in the world out there i hope they are but are they learning growing holding each other accountable becoming not just better players better men you know, there's so, so many facets to that. And I would say compared to Pruitt, I'm already more impressed with Heupel because it's clear. We talked a lot about leading up to the hiring of who ultimately became Heupel. We talked a lot about having a head coach with head coaching experience. And there is just some stuff that you don't know unless you've been a head coach. 
Pruitt had no idea. And it's clear that Heupel has been a head coach. Like, he just has some stuff where you go, oh, you do that because you were a head coach for years already. And and so hopefully they're, they're you know, weeding out the cultural problems and and just becoming better for it and maybe ultimately leading to that equilibrium that I was talking about. But, of course, that is a, is a wait-and-see situation. Obviously, we got to know if it translates onto the field. I, I don't know. That's an extremely long-winded way to say, I hope that the practices are going well. I don't know. <laughs> that's... that's my entire point. And, and just just because somebody says a practice is fun doesn't mean it's not tough. I mean, mm-hmm. you you can be enjoying what you're doing, and it, and yeah. it doesn't mean that they're just out there laughing and having a good time. I don't think that's the case. I mean, the best thing about Josh Heupel, he has a wealth of experience. Uh, like Pruitt, he grew up the son of a coach. He he spent a lot of time around high school football. He's a quarterback at a you know, led Oklahoma to a national championship. Was on staff under Bob Stoops. Uh, he's he's coached in the SEC before. He's he's been a quarterbacks coach. He's been a offensive coordinator. He's been a tight ends coach. He's been to other stops. He's broke down film with Mike Leach. I mean, the guy has a ton of experience in a lot of different facets. That's what really kind of gives me some confidence that he's going to be able to steer the ship the right way here. I don't know what that necessarily means, but I think it's going to be better than three and seven or four and eight or, or, you know, some of these terrible years we've seen Tennessee have. I don't know if it means 12 wins a year, but he, he has the experience that Pruitt did it. Pruitt, you know, had no head coaching experience. He was at Alabama in just a well-oiled machine. He was, at Florida State with Jameis Winston and a ton of talent. All he had to do was call plays. He, he just didn't have the experience outside of that. Like Pruitt's, we've said it a hundred times. He's a defensive coordinator. That's all he is. Heupel wears a lot of different hats, and that's what is going to translate to success. Yeah, let's never forget that that Heupel was an assistant at two SEC schools, um, Missouri <laughs> and Oklahoma. <laughs> Yes. Oh, that's weird. Weird to say. It's strange. Strangely, that is true. They're gonna be an SEC school. Uh, that's gonna take a lot of getting getting used to. Ooh. Uh, but uh, beyond that, I I just think that's an interesting thing. Hopefully, it's a good sign. You just you never know in these situations. We can talk up fall practice as much as we want to. Oh, this guy looks great. This guy flashed. You know, everybody kind of uses those. Those kind of cutesy words to talk about this guy made a one-hand catch and that was cool. At the end of the day, you don't really know what you have till you take take the field. And I I'm as excited as anybody to see what Hypel can do. And I, I think in the next couple of weeks we'll kind of have sort of some position previews, give obviously a preview of the game and what we think is gonna happen with bowling green, but just so far in fall practice. Things seem good. I, that's that's my my total assessment without getting granular into well this running back look this way and that that way. I, you just all of that you just have to take with a grain of salt. I I, I remember I think I brought this up actually on the show last week. Uh, I I did an interview a couple weeks ago with an Ole Miss reporter 
and we were talking about the Ole Miss Tennessee game, but he he was just talking about last season. All of the media thought that John Rice Plumley was going to be the guy at quarterback for them, and then the season actually came, and he never did a, a damn thing for Ole Miss. And and now, of course, the kid what's uh, Castle? Isn't that the kid's name? Corral. Corral. Corral Matt Corral. Not, not Matt Castle. Uh, <laughs> Matt Corral. Um, yeah, and of course he he's the guy now, and they're they're like top twenty five because of him now. And you like you don't know, you don't know in fall practice what what the deal is going to be. And so the that's the one thing about the one thing about coaches, college football coaches, and they all do this. There's not one I don't think that there's some are worse than others. Pruitt was very bad about it. They do not believe in gamers at all. Like what they stick to. Whatever they see in practice, that's what they're sticking to on game day. Uh, Butch was like that early on where he was determined to play Justin Worley no matter what. Even when Dobbs flashed as a true freshman at the end of 2013, Dobbs still didn't get his chance in 2014 until Worley got hurt. Uh, we saw it with Pruitt and Garantano a ton, a lot, tried that, that whole disaster. Uh, it just seems like they – I'm like you. I, I want to see what they can do when the lights come on, when they're out there for real, when it really counts. And sometimes they're t- completely different players. Sometimes a player that, I don't know, maybe they just need that extra motivation. They, they kick it in the high gear. I'm not saying that you should completely ignore practice, but I'm always willing to give a guy a chance just to see what he can do when the pressure's on and it really counts. You might be surprised. Exactly. You... You can hype up practice all you want. At the end of the day, all that matters is, is uh, what happens on those 12 Saturdays every fall. So that's, that's that. And a Thursday we'll... for Tennessee this year. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, keep, I, keep, I keep forgetting that they open on a Thursday. Yeah, it, it is weird. It is throwing me off. What, it's September 2nd, right? Yes. Um, it's drawing ever closer. But for, for now, we'll, we'll break it down as much as we can. But... At the end of the day, that's just the bulk of what we can give you. So we'll we'll end the show on this. Um, and well, unless let me, I'll I'll finish by saying: Is there anything else with fall practice that you've noticed that you wanted to address? And then we'll move to the final topic. I really, I, I feel like the tone has been pretty positive. I mean, we have a lot of experience now with covering new coaches, new coaching staffs, and it it always feels like no matter who the new coach is, the Baseline prediction is five and seven, no matter what, from everybody. And that usually ends up being the case. I mean, well, it pretty much always has been, except for Kiffin and I guess Dooley did go six and six. But I've seen some optimism where people are kind of thinking, you know, maybe Hypo can win six games at Tennessee this year. You know, if, if this offense is as advertised, there's some games they should be able to win. They should be able to beat Vanderbilt. They should beat South Carolina. Neither one of those teams are going to be very good. Can they beat Missouri? You know, is that one that they pull off? Do they beat Pittsburgh? It it just seems like a little more optimism despite everything that's going on with the program. You know, considering where the program is, what they're dealing with, the investigation that will never end or seemingly never end. I'm surprised that the tone around fall camp has been a little more positive than than I thought it would be. I agree. And, and it is kind of crazy to think about. I, I think as of right now, this moment, I kind of think of the season. If you can be 3-0 and through Pittsburgh, seven yeah. wins is very real. 
That's very real. If you're two and one after Pittsburgh, and then you go, I guess it's a it's a snoozer, then the Florida game, and through those games you're three and two, and then you go into that stretch without as much momentum. You're you're going into the stretch against Kentucky and Missouri and, and Mets, and and you don't have as much momentum behind you. Four wins is on the table, all the same. So it's it's gonna be a tenuous season. That's why I would put it a tenuous season. And I, while also saying I agree, there is a good amount of positivity. At the same time, I, I saw some tweet earlier this week. Uh, let me see if I can find it. That was about season ticket sales. They're the lowest. Oh that, yeah, that they've been like in the BCS era for Tennessee this season and. And relative, I want to say it was fifty-five thousand tickets um, this season. Yeah, or something. Pruitt, the, they plummeted yep. in the Pruitt era totally. Yeah, here it is, it is right here. Fifty-five thousand sold in in twenty sixteen. Butch sold seventy-two thousand, and that was the highest since like two thousand four or something, right? Yep, that is correct. And then it just has bottomed out under Pruitt from 2019 into 2020. People were like, "Screw well, this!" Well, you know, and of course I, that was that was the COVID season. I think so 2020 that, we we would have seen an uptick because after the eight and five season in 2019, I think you know the general tone was well, whatever was wrong those first two games of the year, losing to Georgia State and BYU, Pruitt kept the team together he he turned it around there's really a change coming I mean I I believe that yeah foolishly I should have known better you do not lose to Georgia State ever like that's never acceptable um I think the season ticket sales probably would have been pretty decent in a normal year last year probably but somehow after (laughs) Pruitt was so bad that they bottomed out even more yeah this offseason and so you're down to 55,000 which is the worst on this graph, I would say, yeah, I mean, well, easily the worst since the nine. Well, I, I don't even know since the eighties, probably. Yeah, um, well, we've always said that if if you want uh, Tennessee to to take it serious and to really put the the, the effort, the energy, and the assets into uh, resources into turning the football program around, then stop buying tickets, and it looks take like their people money. have, yeah. That's that really is the key. That's the only thing that ever makes them move. And it and it's what they got so comfortable when Tennessee was good in the 90s. I think this has just always kind of been my theory. I've been saying something to the effect of this for years now doing this. They got so comfortable in the 90s and then into into the 2000s. It wasn't bad enough into the 2000s that they were still comfortable. And then when it got really bad, the only thing they knew how to do was be reactive. They didn't know how to be proactive. And it stayed that way all the way until Fulmer let this whole deal with Pruitt get so bad that he, you know, they should have, they should have fired him after that Kentucky game Mm. and then never let it get to this investigation and all this BS. Just speaking of people uh, taking money from Tennessee. Oh, Lordy. Don't even get me started. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're about to. Yeah. So let's cut it off there <laughs> before we we get on a rant. And then let's rant about Tennessee's administration. <laughs> the Knoxville News Sentinel 
this, I guess is this morning, yesterday morning, posted an article called Tennessee Athletics Director Danny White Updates NCAA Investigation as legal tab now tops $756,000. This is Adam Sparks, the new new addition to, to the new Sentinel team. And I know, listen, I know a lot of fans out there, especially if you listen to sort of alternative media like we are, I know you're not the biggest fans of the new Sentinel, but they, they actually do some more traditional style journalism like getting the legal fees that Tennessee is paying for their lawyers for this NCAA investigation to nowhere. Um, And so they're just, these are the guys providing that information. Do it that way you will. Adam Sparks, new guy on the beat this year from Vandy. He really did a, he did a heel turn. He was a Vandy (laughs) journalist and now he's covering Tennessee. Nonetheless, he wrote Tennessee athletics director, Danny White said the university is the NCAA's, quote, partner in the ongoing investigation into the Vols football program recruiting violations. UT has been billed more than $756,000 in legal fees during that so-called cooperative effort, according to documents obtained by Knox News via a public records request. There is no timetable for it to conclude, White said. We're not going to investigate this thing and then hand it over to the NCAA where they have to go investigate it again. They have been involved in every single interview, every step of the way. It may feel like it's going slow because it's been six, seven months since it started. But look at some of the other cases around the country and they last three or four years. And then it goes down through this article and it says of the bills that Tennessee is paying the largest bill uh, that was paid to the legal firm Bond, Shonick and King was $189,171 in January. The tab for June alone was $91,000. And this, we talked about on the last show about the petition that Tony Basilio started about how Tennessee should not impose sanctions on itself and they should tell the NCAA to go kick rocks. And let me say to this revelation here of how much Tennessee is spending on legal fees and the fact that they are apparently planning on being totally cooperative. Tell the NCAA to go kick rocks. The NCAA has no power. They have nothing. They are nothing. They are impotent and useless and stupid and dumb. And if you are totally, if you were totally against them, it appears, according to other cases that have been happening in recent years, the NCAA can't do diddly squat to you. So, I, obviously, I don't know all of what's going on behind the scenes, but stop wasting Tennessee's money. You don't have it. You're going to need it to pay buyouts in the future, obviously. That's what this university does. And stop. Ugh. This, this stuff makes me sick. This is the stuff that makes me the sick guest. And this isn't some indictment of Danny White's ability to hire new coaches or anything like this. But this is an indictment of his administrative ability, and I don't like this. I do not like this. Don't play ball with the NCAA. These The NCAA is a nothing, especially with these NIL rules. This just bugs me to no end, man. I hate this. There's, there's a lot of different layers to this information, uh, I think. One, if you know the end game here, then you're almost paying for there to be no penalties. But you don't know the end game. You don't know what the NCAA yeah. is going to do. But they're basically paying for the NCAA to investigate them. 
The NCAA is, I mean, they're just going beside Tennessee while Tennessee pays for all of this. They're not doing their own investigation. Uh, so that's a lot of free work that Tennessee's providing for the NCAA, saving them a lot of money. Does is that get noticed? Does that help them in their case here? I mean, they're, with this being a cooperative investigation, there's zero chance I would self-impose a bowl ban. There's no way. I mean, you're you're doing all the work for them. You're, you're making their job easy. I guess that's the goal, uh, which, you know, I understand. I mean, that's how they've presented this thing because they don't want it to drag out and they, they want to look like they're cooperating and like they've left all this behind uh, in the past. And, you know, they, they have pretty much fired everybody and, you know, got, got everybody that was involved away from the program. The other thing here is kind of to echo what you said, what's the NCAA going to do? I mean, the Baylor news was revealed today and the, uh, from the sex scandal that happened, sexual assault scandal that happened what five years ago, I think um, the NCAA found out that they or the NCAA says that Art Browse and Baylor did not violate any rules by their inaction. And the stuff that went down at Baylor is way worse than anything even associated with Tennessee in this investigation over recruiting violations. It's, it's not even close. So if the NCAA is basically not going to penalize Baylor and there is no bowl ban, I think there was like a $5,000 fine or something comically small. Yeah. And probation. What can they do to Tennessee? I, I don't, I don't understand how how it could be any worse than what's happened there. I know it's not apples to orange, you know it's it's not it's not a perfect example there, but it, it's the best thing we have to go off of that, that's current news. Yeah what what is the worst that they could do? They could do bull ban. That's probably realistically that is the worst scholarship and scholarships. Yeah, scholarship productions. But you look at who who is the last? Did they reduce scholarships at Ole Miss? I don't remember. Honestly, don't remember. I think I think they might have with the free, but it wasn't. But like one or two. Yeah, and and it didn't really affect all that that much. Ole Miss was decent last year under Kiffin, as long as you got a good coach. And then, uh, I mean, who? The last one that I remember that was like significant. scholarships that they took was Penn State with Sandusky that yeah. horrific situation and if the NCAA tried to equate Tennessee to ongoing horrific child sexual assault they can go screw themselves I mean that what in the world that would be unbelievable I guess I wouldn't put it past the NCAA I guess it's a no an organization run by complete morons but you know what's the worst they could do? Get, vacate a three and a, a three and seven season? What's the worst they could do? Like, it's come on. That's, that would, that was, ooh, vacate an eight win their, season. Dear God, give up their win that they finally got over Will Muschamp or something. You oh, know. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that is, but that's it. That's all they could do. They are impotent and powerless. They are a nothing. Stop giving these people the time of day. I hate this so much. And I love that a bunch of other universities have woken up to this. And why hasn't Tennessee? I, I don't know if they think. I, I just, do know that. It's, 
it's a different angle. They they just yeah. instead of playing hardball, they think they're going to you know attack it from the other direction and be proactive for once and in a way buy their way out of this. Do, do you remember when we were kids? I don't know if they still teach this in school. They would teach you stranger danger, and they would go, they would go. If someone is going to take you, don't go with them. Fight until the very end because going with them is you're you're done for either way if they're gonna kill you have them do it while you kick and fight and scream and you know and then maybe you get away that's what they all at least that's what they taught us they were like don't ever go with a stranger because then you're done you know you they are in control they're in the driver's seat and not you. And that that's what they... I just remember that as a kid. Tennessee is getting in the car with the kidnapper. <laughs> with this. And in fact, they're paying the kidnapper to take them to some place that they don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're, pay, they're paying for the gas. <laughs> yes. They're going, stop over at the Sitco. I'll give you gas money. And it's so annoying. Don't kick and fight and scream and get these people away and then maybe you run away and you get away and at worst the same thing happens to you that was going to happen anyway i hate this yeah i mean go it's, talk to unc and what was there bubba cunningham i think they're long time yeah. long time athletic director don't go talk to them and see what they did because whatever method they use certainly worked because i mean Making up classes, fake classes, is is definitely worse than, you know, trying to pay a recruit that didn't even end up going to Tennessee or paying for some meals and all this other stuff that was uh, supposedly paid back. It's, and and is legal now, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, and that, and that's really that's the biggest outlying factor in all of this that would all the more make me tell the NCAA to f off. Is that all of this stuff that was level one violations or whatever? You can do that now. I mean, I guess not technically in the way well, that yeah. Tennessee did them. Technically, it's still against the rules. But now you could just funnel the money through some sponsor. And you don't have to even worry about it. And so that's... Oh God, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. And just stop it, Tennessee. Stop it. Get some help. As Michael Jordan, I mean, really, the the answer to a situation like this, Tennessee's already done what the common sense answer should be: you clean house. Yeah, fire everybody. Everybody associated loses their job, and you start over. That's exactly what Tennessee did. Coaching staff is gone. Athletic directors gone. Compliance officers gone. Recruiting assistants that were involved are gone. They every those guys and 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 females lost their jobs and it's probably not going to be super easy to get another job uh for those guys and girls uh, especially at that level that they were at i mean Pruitt, who knows when he'll be able to return to college football and i guarantee you that his act is probably not going to fly in the nfl with with some of those veteran players <laughs> the the only thing that i can hope for is that this is essentially extortion money that the tennessee or or in my as in my metaphor earlier, maybe it's just a ransom. Where yeah, you don't pay trust them. the NCAA; they're going to take your money and run and steal exactly do what they Never. want. Never 
But the best that I can hope for is that this is extortion money where you go, here you go, NCAA, we did everything. And then the NCAA goes, good little boy, good, run along now. We'll let you go. Go back to your parents at, at home. You, you know, that's the be- that's like the best case scenario. And it just, with the NCAA, that just doesn't feel likely. The NCAA loves to have people, quote unquote, cooperate, and then they still hit them with stuff. And so I, whatever, man, I. Well, Danny White's in quite a position because if they end up not doing much, he looks like a hero. And if they get slammed, well, there's nothing he could do about it. So either way, yeah, he's, he's going to be fine. That's, and I, I would bet that there's a lot of other factors at play here, probably a chancellor. And, and I think it was actually a problem when she went up and as admitted on the dais. Yeah, that was that, probably not the, yeah, the best move there. Admitted that there were multiple level need, one violations. Did not need a press conference that day. That press Ugh. conference is going to go down as one of the more ill-advised things Tennessee's ever done. Yeah, at, at most, and this was stupid too, it shouldn't have ever even been this, but it should have been a send-off for Fulmer. Uh, but yeah, she went up and she admitted that there was violations. So I, uh, yeah, yeah she, she may be about it. Yeah. And, and so there, there's factors late there. January when nothing else was happening. So yeah. all eyes were on it. <laughs> it was the only story going on at the time. Uh, man, what a nightmare. Um, but that's, that's that. Otherwise, uh, I think we're, we're coming up on an hour already. Another episode in the books. This one not on our usual. For for the football season, I swear, these shows will come out on Monday. Um, but we're just, man, it's the offseason. I'm trying to buy a house right now. We uh, don't even know what day of the week it is half the time. Yeah, who, who even does anymore? Um, but that's it. I am Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. We thank you so, so, so much for listening. Seriously, like, the last episode, it was one of the most listened we've ever had, uh, which is awesome. And thank you, seriously, so much. It's great. Big things happen in this football season also that have not been announced quite yet, but will be soon, hopefully. And uh, other than that, uh, iTunes, Spotify, rate, reviews, subscribe, uh, A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach DNT, at A to Z Sports, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com for everything that Zach writes. And that is it, folks. We'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later. Everybody.